Walking outside labyrinthian over cracks along under the trees I know this town grounded in a compass Cardinal landing in the dogwood I keep going over it over and over My steps iterate my shame How come every outcome such come down Lately afternoon with the shades drawn down Kept saying I just wanted to see it Saying what's wrong with that needle shaking outlines in a compass Every outcome such a come down I knew it when I saw it
lot of people they work too hard. A lot of people depending on drugs. A lot of people they go too far. A lot of people don't rest enough. A lot of people not eating right. A lot of people not eating right. Hi, and welcome to BFF.FM Radio. This is Mimi Zach with Private Session. And I am joined tonight by my good friend, Evan Mack, um, who I invited to come on the show with me today because um, I haven't seen you. I've spoken to you, but I haven't seen you um, in a very long time. And um, we're going to catch up on the air and play some music that either of us have been listening to. So... Evan, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, world. <laughs> I'm entirely unimportant and uh, <laughs> am worthless. Your, your time spent with me is about... Yeah. yeah. I'm also uh, just learning about what Mimi has been doing with the podcast. Um, so I'm here to learn a bit more about mm-hmm. what she's doing and mm-hmm. cater to her specific needs. Mm. 
what has been the most promising thing you've seen with this experience and what you have you enjoyed least about it okay great great question um least let's start with least um least is talking to yourself and having conversations about things that other people asked you to play music about and then talking about that on the air and watching where your mind will go and then you know playing that back later and being like what you know it's like going back and reading something that you wrote like a year ago or something like that and you're like who this is this is the worst thing i've ever like who is this person which you know is good and bad in many ways but i think that's the worst part is just the self-loathing that comes with it <laughs> i'm with you i i once appeared on another friend's radio show uh, at st louis university and i listened back to it and i said evan you sound like such a fool an excited fool yeah. what why are your gears spinning so fast on matters of such little importance yeah. so i feel i feel that way now and i've learned i've learned a little bit more about how to show up in moments like these mm. what what advice would you have then for me i think you do a great job of expressing how little you know about things and yeah how important that is <laughs> to just sort of be that vulnerable on air. So I, I'd say that you're doing just fine in that capacity. <laughs> That's good. I don't have any sort of like, there's literally zero ego. <laughs> so little it's ego that that might... More important, right? I think we're seeing a trend towards loving people who, who eschew the ego like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm part of a movement. That's what this podcast so, is. So what have you what have you been playing on the podcast? What have what have you been stressing? Um, I think that I think I really what's cool about this podcast actually, and you didn't ask me my favorite part. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that unasked question. Um, I like that it makes me go outside my comfort zone with music because come on, it's so easy to just listen to the same crap every day. And always just, you know, bore yourself to death, I guess, with that. And then with this, I, like, discovered the Space Jam soundtrack the other day. And I've been obsessing over the Space Jam soundtrack for quite some time now. So, so I'd say that I have been stressing on expanding my musical taste because I, um, I think that it needed it, and I also think that you realize once you get a radio show how little music you actually know. Yeah. 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 Truth. Yeah. So, let's flip the switch on to you, though. What have you been listening to, and why? Well, <laughs> I'm returning to my roots as anyone who knows me, which is probably the entire audience <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> No, uh, I am I'm a Chicago guy, and that has like been what I've been brought up with, and what I just continue to get inspired by. So I've just been returning to like the Chicago acts that I love, and and okay. going back through like the Mick Jenkins stuff. I mean, I don't know if you have listened to him much, but he is maybe one of the most profoundly innovative oh my lyricists in music today just yeah he's one of those folks you listen and you say like he, he is he's fully understood that his voice is not just a means of communication lyrically but 
a, a, a tool of rhythm, right? And like that's kind of getting back to like the MC, the root of the MC and the role of the MC. But he is just mind blowing, and so listening to his stuff, it, it just always like kind of blows my mind. And like the production he has mm-hmm. on tracks like Perception with uh, the Mind producing and and and. Uh, and appearing on it it just doesn't get better i think for chicago music than that i totally agree i love to the little conversations that he has in that album can you remind me what the name of that album is do you remember off the top of your head what is it called it's like um it's like the the yeah so he so he has an under sort of like a subliminal messaging thing his most recent one's called the healing component that's it so it alludes at that calling it thc right this Mm -hmm. is sort of like obviously double entendre there but um mm-hmm. but then the the one before that was the waters which was just totally kick butt and then oh, the yeah. one before that was waves so he has three just incredible albums uh that i can't get enough of excuse me it was it was most recent to least recent the healing component waves then the waters but they're all so timely i mean they just still ring true does he perform a lot or not a lot he doesn't perform that uh, much, does you know what's funny is like i think he's he's got a really peculiar online presence so it's hard to to track exactly where he's at and i think like people in europe really love his sound and i think he's mm-hmm. been there recently uh, but it's hard to it's hard to say where he's been exactly yeah cool anyways he's been killing it um, and then i'm just going back to like the real soulful stuff that i it just again to the point of like when you don't have a lot of time you go to like what really hits you and so like i've been listening to tyrone by eric badu on repeat and that's just like one of the most powerful like riffs and songs in my library i'd say i didn't start listening to eric badu until senior year of college i know that that's sad but that's the truth that's the truth she she hits harder than anyone yeah yeah her and Sade, though, I would I would argue that. Well, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put that on the internet. An argument of Sade versus Erica Badu. I feel like that's a that's a dark hole. <laughs> so, let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you need to play a track yet, but has the has San Fran the move out to San Fran? Have you seen a lot of people sort of like talking? talking where they shouldn't and making these sort of grandiose claims just to make them. I mean, are people really that snobby in San Francisco when it comes to the music scene? Um, honestly, I think that it's, it's, it's not even that it's, there's like a lack of, they're not even having those conversations around music in my experience. And I mean, you know, I'm like, what I tend to do is like literally insert myself into those places because I just want to be in them. And every time I do that, it seems like it's sort of, um, it's either in Oakland. And in Oakland, I'd say that that's, that's more humble and that's more interesting. But honestly, after the, um, after the fire, the huge uh, warehouse fire in Oakland, it sort of died. So you can't, not died, but you can't get into places without knowing somebody on the inside. So I think that sort of has diminished my ability to go and see those acts but yes i would agree that in san francisco it's sort of in the same way that everybody wants to shove their app down your throat and a little bit kind of want to do that um but i have met some cool bands i have and i have to say that and i've seen some great shows half the glory of living in a city like san francisco is that you've got cool people coming through 
But before we go on, I'm going to play a song really quick um, that I think you should know this band. And if you don't know this band, I'm going to play it for you right now, Evan, because I've been obsessed with them for a really long time. Do you know about Super Organism? Good morning, Orono. You are awake. The weather today is dark.
we're back with Mimi Zach on Private Session on BFF.FM Radio. And we're back with my friend Evan, as said before. Um, so that was just It's All Good by Superorganism, which is this band. It's just this girl, Evan, um, in England who matched up with some guys in like the east coast of the U.S. and they just produce from across the ocean with each other. I don't know. She's like 15. I'm obsessed. And then the second one is this little band that used to exist in Chicago where um, Evan is from. Correct, Evan? Yeah, I believe you mentioned that just briefly. And um, they are called Woo Park. Everyone should check them out because we want them to get back together. And that song was called Tiny Straws. A little bit of a hiatus coyote vibe on that one. But during the break, Evan and I were talking about how you, Evan are always kind of dabbling in or deciding whether or not to do something in the music industry. Is that correct? Yeah. It is correct. It is, <laughs> it is my, it is how I understand the term love hate relationship. And mm-hmm. I don't mean to like toot a horn that is out of tune and uh, non-existent in large part. So I wouldn't say I spent much time in the music industry, but I spent enough time doing things uh, involved in the music industry to get a good feel for it. And I have a monthly realization how much fun and how wonderful it is to be a part of that high of creation and distribution. Um, But also what a pernicious and unrelenting industry it is. So of course I'm always telling you that. And I'm sure every person who'd ever listen to this show would probably have a similar background and express similar concerns and uh, sentiments, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. What do you think is holding you back from, from doing it? Like the biggest one, like what, what's this, what's the part that you're just like, I know that'll, that'll get to me after a while. Because I think, um, I think if you're not explicitly, I think there's a duality to a lot of things, right? Where we have like my personal hero and figurehead of the DIY music movement, Chance the Rapper going up and I think rightfully so saying, listen, if you're if you're not adding value to the music scene, then you're just profiting off of it, right? Like right. see ya. And and he'll kind of make the tagline like if you if you are including yourself in that group, if you feel like I'm talking to you, I am. <laughs> and that's like a that's like a haunting thing where if you've ever expressed doubts about saying am I really like bringing value to my musician friends right when I do little things or connect them with the right person whatever mm-hmm. does that justify my labeling or inclusion in this um, I think like you have to answer a, a tough question I think only those who like really care about the integrity of artistry and the music world at large ask themselves that question and I think typically those are the ones who don't don't right. make a whole lot of money contributing um so it's this weird paradox where uh you know i'm both influenced and inspired by by it um and i don't yet know how to navigate that space so yeah it, it largely ends up being me asking my friends hey is there any way i can support you in any way mm-hmm. that doesn't bolster my own worth right like right. can i just support you do your thing and you and i have friends in this space where they too are navigating a trepidatious path towards success and i'm left here thinking god you know i've worked with these folks and want to contribute right in a way that 
that is free. I don't want to. I want to. Don't want to reap any benefits from this, but I want to contribute. And I think that space is still remains like really unclear as to how you can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can you can take the avenue that you've taken, which I think is beautiful and is righteous, and just allowing for people to come on a platform and share what they're doing. Right. Um, but you know, it's just a weird, vicious, and leech industry. And I, that's, yeah. that is my worst nightmare to be included in that category. I completely agree. And I'd rather stay out of it if, I, if that was how I was feeling, you know? Yeah, I agree. Right before, too, we were talking about The Defiant Ones, this new documentary on um, HBO, which everyone should go check out. Because, and I mean, honestly, when I watched it, I watched the entire thing on Friday night. I took an edible, which was probably not the best idea. And my brain was like on the floor listening to Dr. Dre, <laughs> just, <laughs> it was extremely dramatic. I'm glad no one was around. Um, but how I think that it really, honestly, my takeaway from it was that, and just background for anyone that doesn't know, it's about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine, 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 yeah. And he, uh, and they're, how they eventually collaborated. They came up in different ways with Jimmy coming up through classic rock and a little bit more of, you know, the indie space and then Dr. Dre obviously coming up in hip hop and, and WA and such. And then them coming together to make Dr. Dre beats and then getting bought out by Apple. But kind of my takeaway from all of it was, I think you just need money. Like, I honestly think you need a good, a really, someone like Jimmy that was dedicated to the artistry of the music and that was not gonna stand down from saying like, no, like this is this is this is what we're gonna do because this is what the artist wanted it to be. Um, we're not gonna stand down from that, but that we're going to just we're gonna pay for whatever it happens. I mean, that's a general anecdote to like a really huge problem, but I mean, I just want the money to go to the people that care about the important stuff. And it seems like, how do we do that? Here's what we do, Evan. We make a lot of money, and then we make a recording studio. How do you feel about this? No. Okay. I don't think I don't think it solves my moral dilemma here. <laughs> okay. But I think it'd be cool. And welcome it's to like welcome a really to cool bandit. <laughs> yeah, but I bet we get some good Instagram follows. <laughs> is that is that worth it? Well, it's not what I meant, but it's like a really good point. <laughs> get some nice uh, nice Instagram live stories. Yeah. I'm here with. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> you can't produce anything. Let's. Go. <laughs> With the act, that's how I'd feel the yeah, entire time. That's true. That's true. But yeah, mm. it's a huge, huge problem. Um, if you were to enter the music industry, what would you do? Oh, Ideally, Lord. I see again. I don't know. You don't even know. I mean, again, it's like there's a lot of folks. There's a lot of folks who are a part of a lot of industries that don't really label themselves anything. They just know that they have a, a understanding of the vertical process involved with creating value, right? They understand right. what the value is financially, how to do it in terms of production, and what the, the value proposition of an artist or a product is. And if you have that genuine understanding of context and product, then you're dangerous, no matter where or, or who you are, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the genius of Jimmy Ivey. Right. I think that's the genius of these folks who know how to scale a project because they can foresee 
where and when the product hits. Um, so I don't think I, you know, I'm, and by the way, I'm not comparing myself to Jimmy. <laughs> it's just a, an analogy to say, like, I think, like, so long as you could find the right product with the right people and leverage your own talents in such a way that you're creating value, then it doesn't matter where you are. And I think those would have to be the prerequisites for me to ever get involved again. Mm-hmm. Or else it is just people name, oh my goodness, the name dropping. I can't imagine what folks who live day in, day out in that industry, how tired they must be of the name dropping. Right. right? Oh my goodness. Or like having so again, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. It's just, it's just the high. And then it raises the question again of like the high of creation. Whenever I've been a part of that process, is that is that leech like in itself? I don't know. Yeah. Is it a drug? Uh, no. Is it a drug? I don't know. I, I rarely use my my Twitter, but it's Evan Mac One. If any if any disparate listener has some thought provoking claims, hit me up and maybe I'll uh, I'll drop you a note like ten weeks later. <laughs> You do you do tweet very randomly. They're usually pretty good though, or insightful. I think that mine last night was pretty awesome too. I had a good tweet. Time magazine had a headline: "Customer vomit causes Chipotle stocks to plummet." It's just really to the point. They killed it with that one. Like just the just someone at, deserves a raise for that. At Mimi J Zach, just check it out. I got some some great some more self-deprecation on that um social media outlet anyways um wait i I do have a question i want to in the world of like of of what you just mentioned right this this band this woman who's 15 in in england Mm -hmm. connecting with folks what a what a miracle that is for art at large right right but it also leads to unbelievable benefits for the listener like have you heard of this kid taz have you heard of this guy? His name is Taz. Taz. He's like a 14-year-old guitarist who is... I, I, I discovered him, not disguised, I stumbled across him and said, this kid is like our Michael Jackson. How the heck have I not heard this kid? Must watch, must listen. And yet, it's like, he's, he's he lives full-time in New York, like rarely tours outside because he's a 14-year-old kid. Right. And... I'm saying like th- I would not have been blown away by this kid without the ability for someone to access him, mentor and coach him from afar and bring up the talent that he's becoming. Right. What an unbelievable contribution to the art world that is, right? That level of connectivity. I'm not saying anything unique there. It's just I had that anecdote and realization recently of saying, my goodness, this is unbelievable. I get to tap into this absolute genius, you know? Yeah. Who I never would have come across before. Wow. And you're saying, so he's in New York. What kind of music does he do? Is it Michael Jackson? He'll show up. He'll, no, no, no. That is just a, a metaphor saying, for yeah. he's, a, he's like a brilliant little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and But he's like big time a part of the jam scene and the blues and funk scene. So he'll show up at uh, like the Brooklyn Bowl when they're with their ongoing series, right? Yeah. And he'll just shred with like Eric Krasno. Like Come volley on. riffs with one of the better guitarists in the scene, and he's 14, and it just blows my mind. Blows my mind. Damn, that is that is something. And I wonder too if it's like um, you think it's got like a touch of prodigy there, like Jacob Collier, or is it more of like because you you mentioned that someone's bringing him up. Um, 
can't imagine not. Yeah. So if you yeah. watch, it's clearly a kid who, I guess he literally just picked up the guitar, got bored with it, and then picked it up again because he could, had a teacher finally who would teach him rock and blues mm-hmm. and just took off in like a couple years. And uh, if you watch videos, you'll, you'll understand why I'm bringing him up. It is, he sounds like Lenny Kravitz. Like he's, Yes, I, I've I was toiling with with this question as well. Like, what is genius? Mm-hmm. Because when I watch him interview, he does this thing where it's clear that he has a really exceptional ability to sort of parrot what he's seeing outside of him. Is like a twelve year old kid with like really in depth metaphors that he's clearly heard somewhere else, and like tongue-in-cheek comments and satirical things that I was certainly not saying at 12. So clearly he's like really parroting the mentors around him, the coaches, and has an unusual ability to do so. And I wonder if that sinks into his, maybe it is just a manifestation of that ability, or maybe we romanticize brilliance and prodigy so much that that's all it really has been forever, right? Just like an uncanny ability to pick something up and yeah. understand what makes it valuable that quickly and re- and, and recite it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, I, the, the interviews blew me away at his, you know, because of his wisdom and ability to, like, say things that a 30-year-old says. And I wonder if that has any relation, you know? Yeah. What's it? Spell his name one more time. Um, You know what? I forgot his name, but he just goes by Taz. Taz. T-A-Z. T-A-Z. Okay. I want everyone to look him up afterwards, including myself. That's something cool, though. And you said you've seen him live in Brooklyn? I have not. I've, I'd not. like to, though. He's just okay. he's right around the corner. but uh, <laughs> I sit outside I his house every else. day. <laughs> What'd you say now? You sit outside his house every day waiting. Yeah. Patiently. Hey, Taz. <laughs> I, was, I was basic geometry coming. <laughs> that is a trip to that, think about. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Well, cool. All right. So now I'm going to play you um, something else really quick that I've been very into. I have another little small tiny band that I think you'll like that is also out of Chicago. I planned this episode perfectly for Evan. So this one's called Liam the Younger, or it's by Liam the Younger. It's owed to then. And after that, we'll be back with Evan and Mimi on private session on bff.fm radio all right here we go ode to then Sky, the city light, passing by the scenic drive, the strip malls, the city halls, museums, and the phone calls. Thinking old, dusty road, riding trains, no time joke, idealized view of life. Maybe I have it right. It feels good to be back home, seeing friends and knowing roads, Thanksgiving and Christmas time, bitter air and riding bikes. Sound love all around. I have found the moon rise. 
Whatever the tombstone reads, what could that year mean to me? Living by the dampened trees, what could that life mean to me? Dreaming of the dark coal mines, I must know that it's no life. One day I am sure that I will see through nostalgic eyes. And one day the internet will be our version of the wild west. heroes and others will be villains as we sing the songs, all the songs about them. Command, we've lost control. The engine's bound to crash. The lightning strikes when bright. Do not go gently. It's just my luck You shot my bluff Down from a thousand miles I'm falling fast I'm falling fast I want you to rage into the night I want you to blaze into the light Before you find or fly Before you find your fight I want you to rage into the night Red as a burning road Pause. I always wonder whether leaving meant something deeper than freedom To be able to see everything I see when I'm sleeping Niggas waking up with no job, no mob lynching, we still hanging White man telling niggas to ball like Phil Jackson Pray to Jordan, the play was enough to put up the bill And the train don't stop, and we ain't had to ride the rails Gas in the tank, hardly enough to make it home They say homes where they hate us, I'm from where they kill they all Probably film it on their phone, a generation addicted the technology problems we face is so conflicted To take the burning road and just roll with the punches Niggas thought I was gone, our Derrick Rose from the trenches Same fences, we jumped as a shorty still in the way Sometimes I wish I could fly far, far away When my sins fall down like pouring rain Almost slip my knot, hope I don't fall again Standing on my feet, feel so small just to look into space It's heavy just to stand up there and wonder what waits So much we don't Understand, still right in front of our face. I light a match for the Jets. I want you to rage into the night. I want you to blaze into the light before you find a fight. Before you find a fight. I want you to rage into the night. I want you to know you know you're right before you find a fight. Racing. Racing red as a burning road Riding a burning 
road, running low, not a soul who could know, except the man who swept the burning ashes from the road. I put the Halloween pistol out of the trunk, inside my mouth, if it was real, but out of dump, that's fucking dumb. How many thousands of kids would give their life to have mine, without a clue about the times I give my life to have time. I'm tired of waiting, tired of chasing pills that I'm tired of taking, tired of court cases, tired of judges, tired of saying fuck it, tired of ball around the present, decided it's just a gift. Two shots to life, only got one to live. You could lose it in a night or down it in a fifth or win a championship game. As a man, I feel pain. As a king, I feel rain. Ask me how I deal with fame as I write you from my basement. The cards ain't changed yet. Niggas on 47 still dealing the same shit. Rocks, blows, ducking cops and clothes. Came in the world naked, now I'm in all this babe shit. Trying to buy a Rolex, can't even face time. I feel like it's all waste. The underground getting wasted I spent 1500 on these bottles in this table I shake it before I pop I promise I'm not stable But that boy do got horsepower Ignore hours These days I lose track of days Been years since I felt this way Count on me to rage Before the final flight Before the final flight Shoot a race. I want you to know you know you're We're back with Mimi Zach on Private Session on BFF.FM Radio. So that was just a song that Evan asked me to play. It's Rage by uh, Vic Menza. And who else is on that song? Is that just him? Uh, no, it was just him, yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, well, okay, so Evan started this thing called the Grand Padudas. Before you explain that, actually, the Grand Padudas is just a little Facebook group that Evan made of just a group of people that um, we just leave articles for each other to read, um, which is really fun and interesting. A lot of the time it has me reading stuff that I normally would not have caught on to. Um, it's also with a bunch of, it's just kind of a group of people too, and I like how you did this, Ev, that it's, especially in this time and age, it's a lot of um Op, like it's a lot of opposing opinions about stuff like there's not just it's not just like a bunch of it's pretty bipartisan um in that we've got people from the right people from the left people who are a little bit more conservative less conservative because a lot of it is political but then it's also um for things you can read when you're hungover um which i think i contribute a lot of just those uh but what does the grand Padutas mean just really quick um uh, as a title where did you come up with that and um Am I even saying it right? And is this a joke that we had in college that I don't remember? Because that's going to be... You weren't, you weren't 
were blacked out for the joke that you missed. No, okay. that's not the case. Um, okay. Well, as I say in the the group the group uh, description, yeah. Um, one of one of the guys that even if you don't love or or you know believe half his stuff, everyone should kind of respect Tim Ferriss for what he's created. Yeah. And he to every one of his guests asks the question. What book do you gift most frequently? Um, and uh, I think with this group, and I'd like to hear from anyone who does something similar, and if something works better or worse in terms of getting people to contribute and discuss. But the sort of the guys I had going in was saying that you all, you know, these eighteen people are the friends with whom I most frequently gift and receive articles, um, and sort of like creating a little space to do that nothing too profound but i think when you actively activate a space to do that um you kind of get better returns but the grandpa dudas is a term that my dad created when i was a little kid uh to describe when we would go out into the lake or the ocean and you'd get that one big wave out of all the waves right every every five or ten minutes or 20 minutes you'd get one big wave and that wave meant the world. It meant the first challenge in a while. It meant something that was significant and stood out. It meant fun. It meant that's the one you picked to body surf Aww. to the shore on, right? It, it was a significant outlier. And I think there was a perfect little word to describe it, an onomatopoeia of sorts, right? Yeah. The grand, it's a grand paduda. Or if you wake up on a day and the waves were especially choppy and and intense he said a lot of grand padudas down there and i think it was just like a perfect little description for what i had in mind right just out of all the articles we read day in day out what is the one you'd actually want to send to a friend instead of sending to that friend send to all of our friends and we'll call it the grand paduda it's the one that sticks out it's the one that challenges you it's the one you can ride on right like yeah. it's that kind of principle i love that your dad's that's really clever um but yes, so this is a Facebook group where we just, you know, post some um, interesting articles. And the one that I want to talk about with Evan is one that I posted um, the other night about, uh, it's from The New Yorker. And it's one where a woman talked about, her name's Amanda. She's a great writer. I want to say her last name, but I'm going to screw it up. But it's Petrusius, Petrusish. Damn. Well, either way, she talks about how... Um, Chance the Rapper had this reaction recently after, uh, well, not recently, it was about a year ago, when MTV News published something negative about him, and, you know, they they, they basically just didn't like Coloring Book, um, and they didn't like the religious aspect of it, and they were kind of like, hey, you're talking about your daughter, and I can't relate to that, and I don't like that, and what Chance's reaction was, he, he asked to, he said that if you guys don't take this down, I'm not going to associate with MTV News, um, or I'm not going to show up at your event. And the article goes in to say, you know, what is the relationship between the critic and the artist? And I think this particularly hit home for me because I did do, I wrote about music in college and I still do a little bit of that now. I think for me it was, it was something like that I've always struggled with where I'm like, why, why do I think I have the right to comment on this at all? You know, because this is something that they made out of their brain and, and they just put this out into the world. They, she describes instead this sort of like symbiosis between the critic and the artist that has to exist in order for um, in order for something like to, to make sure that we don't have some sort of in adulation going on. Oh wait, well, he's back. 
We just lost Evan on air really quick. But Evan, I was saying that the critic is making sure that they're not just just being self-important all the time and not just, you know, um, diving deep into their egos and pulling it out and saying, you know, oh, this is something that I made. It's almost amazing seeing as I've held. I went to that accent because of your response to that article, um, which was a video clip that uh, both sort of ruined me a little bit because I was like, well, he, Evan responded to that. My whole spiel about, you know, what is the relationship between the artist and the art and, and like, what does it mean to be vulnerable? And can we, can we say what art is? And can we even say who artists are? Like, who are we to do any of that? And then Evan literally just drops this, like, what I thought was a profound thought, which honestly, it's not that profound. Like, many people have had this thought before with a clip from Ratatouille. And I'm both satisfied and frustrated by the fact that my psyche can be so easily just like fixed <laughs> by Pixar. <laughs> yeah, it's really appropriate. Yeah, but... We'll have multiple of those moments in life. Well, a cartoon rat just inspired a more profound thought than I did. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful scene, though. You gotta yeah. admit. Yeah, yeah. So, what what was your take on that, though? And please, please be sure to include some. Quotes from the Ratatouille clip. Yeah, I mean, it's an age-old question, one made much more convoluted and problematic by, um, I think, the monetization and like um, exchange, exchange of social currency yeah. uh, surrounding music journalism. Um, one of the better voices in Chicago, Lily, Lily Kay who, if you don't know her, should check her out. She's appeared on a lot of Chance's stuff mm -hmm. and, and has incredible projects um, on her own. Uh, she kind of, the other day, just went on a rant saying, where is all the good music journalism? Where's the constructive? Where's the, you know, the profound? Where's the insightful? Where's the yeah. analysis? Everything, is, and, and another guy, Jake uh, J.K., who's a writer in Chicago, who I grew up loving, reading his stuff yeah and i saw him for too. a brief moment in time got to got to work alongside an initiative he had for a brief time mm -hmm. um he he's kind of the same way and saying like what are we doing here we've kind of got all these swagged out pieces in music journalism um you know and where the interview is like stuff you could google and pointless questions and and rather than writing a synthesis of the artist via the interview which is like kind of the purpose of it you're just putting it all down nobody wants to read your stupid interactions and and pithy comments you know like yeah. we want to get a feel for what this person is um so that's all to say like this is a funny funny thing where people in the industry both insightful build do-it-yourself uh constructive like outsiders who are journalists, say, or, or planners or things like that, and musicians alike, there's a strong category of them who are sick, just as we are, of this sort of hype-type journalism. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, as, as much as I love Chance, what I read, like, kind of bothered me because it kind of plays into an ongoing problem, whether it's intended or not. Now, as I, I just want to clarify, I recently got into a spat with someone another group on Facebook who discredited the work of Chance and kind of like posted a video of like here's my thoughts of Chance and, and 
uh, coloring book and and this guy gets on the video and just starts saying like you know it starts describing like no name goes into this really lyrically profound thing and like Kirk Franklin you know has this like almost preacher like or sermon like tone at the end of it and da 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 and future was like does it like he's doing these boilerplate comments I'm sitting there going uh you think have you ever listened to Kirk Franklin yeah. we have these like this unbelievable and annoying ability to just boil something down to its CV to its resume to what the small thing it added and this woman commenting about why she didn't like Chance's work was so she's saying it didn't hit me like the production wasn't good that the you know the it was blown out she came it wasn't that profound it wasn't eclectic it was mainstream guys meanwhile I'm sitting here having been majorly influenced by him and his ability to say F it build your own with your friends mm-hmm. thinking you missed the point you missed the whole entire point of this album right yeah. there's a reason that the production on the tracks with the more mainstream like swaggy rap like it sounds like a typical song they'd be on that's the point then he transitions into stuff with Kirk Franklin and if you've ever been to a Kirk Franklin show which I raise my hand as maybe the only person I've ever met <laughs> to go to a Kirk <laughs> Franklin show you realize like that's exactly what he does like he's cater- he's that brilliant an artist to cater to the talents and inspiration of his friends around him so that's a quick rant about like why I don't think he deserved any criticism for that album. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. Um, the question you're asking is, what is the what is the basis of critique? Does it have a symbiotic relationship with yeah. the music? To that, I say, hell yes, it does. Same. Hell yes, it does. And I think it's like an unfortunate truth um, where there is a, a sort of prodding from behind always. Um, from those who are there to challenge. Now, I think most of it is bad journalism and bad critique and not worth saying. And to that I say, come on, you're just you're just profiting and leeching, to my point earlier, off this talented artist who put his soul out there. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it is like a really tough landscape to navigate because at the same time, you absolutely have to be receptive to the cultural conversation in which all art derives its meaning. Right. So if you are not able to interpret, even if it is a slanted piece, if you're not if you're not able to incorporate that into what you know is the cultural landscape, then I think your art is suspect as well. Because I think art is some is often born, not necessarily, but often born in a cultural landscape. You know. Mm-hmm. So I sit here. And like, can't stand when people slam Chance because he's my guy. Um, but, but it's a really fascinating piece you put out there. And rant. I'm sorry, I talked for like two minutes there. But no. what were your thoughts on that? And what are your thoughts on what I just said? Uh, I have a. I mean, because yeah, it's it's something that like I I've thought about a lot because I um, like I said before I I did write about it in college and that felt like so long ago because it was, but. I remember a couple of times getting in arguments with people, and I think I've told you about this before too, where people would say, you know, there's an interesting sort of understanding that like you're going to write about it because you've consumed. I think what it comes down to for me actually, now that I think about it, is this idea of just 
consumption, consumption, consumption that comes upon that. That's that's the cri- the critic is doing that, and that is something that I'm not even calling myself a critic, but I see this in myself, especially growing up. It's like I almost get sick of how much I consume sometimes in terms of culture and music and things, and like try and develop opinions or thoughts or likes and dislikes and. You know, you can consume and consume, but unless you're thinking about it in like an analytical way or in a way where you can see it from, you know, Chance growing up in Chicago and then, I mean, just to use him as, as an example, or even, you know, like, to a, let's stop using Chance as an example. Let's use Kanye. Like, if we, because he's controversial and so difficult, but like, you know, you listen to his new album and it's, that production's great and that's really good. And in a cultural, you know, if you're looking at it in a cultural space, it's a little bit different now, but it's still the same he's still he's still a black man that grew up in chicago he still has seen things and lived a life that we'll never understand and there's just uh, you know it's if i could tell you how long it took me to write that facebook post because i was thinking about it for so long of like deciding whether or not i think that um the critics should come in from a vacuum or not at the end of the day i decided no absolutely not but it's really interesting to see then you know how at the end of the day, when people go back and they look at it, like, 20 years from now, and you think about how they're going to see it, because they're kind of seeing it through a vacuum then, too. So, I don't know. It's really interesting to think about, like, how that, too, like, thinking about that, it's, like, where where in history we are and how important that is. Um, then there's actually something else, too, Evan, that I want to tell you about, and anyone else that's listening. Um, but... Recently, as many of you know, R. Kelly, um, just his stories of his sexual assault on women and that whole cult-like disgusting thing um, came out and came to light. And it, it became known that Jessica Hopper, who's the former editorial director of Pitchfork, had so many stories coming across her desk of this happening and her kind of sort of knowing about it uh, for a long period of time. And there was actually a kid that wrote an article about it, or her name, excuse me, is Lauren Tyson. And she wrote an article saying, hey, Jessica, you know, music journalism isn't just writing critiques all the time. It's actually, too, you know, reporting on stuff. I think that we need to make ourselves a little bit accountable to that. And um, you didn't do that. And we all look up to you a lot. I mean, I look up to her a lot. She's got this amazing book on being a female music critic um, that I recommend to everyone. that's like a whole other part of it too, right? Is like holding artists accountable and making sure that we do not allow this obsession with fame and glory and everything that's beautiful about that to take that space. Um, it's a long-winded it's a pretty response. Profound, no. I say it's, it's a pretty profound insight you just dropped, right? The notion of... Uh, and kind of echoes everything we've been talking about tonight. Think about, think about where one must, and I'm guilty of this, where one must be, how much they must respect their own opinion to not report and instead write an op-ed under the guise of reporting. When I look at most like reviews today, they aren't reporting, right? They're, yeah. they're issuing a claim. Um, and if you're not reporting, it's a claim that's largely unfounded. Um, and I think that's a really tremendous question you just asked, right? Is that 
is that the purpose of music or have we stooped so low given the necessity to have hits to have uh you know these really like uh sticky articles Mm -hmm. where we are no longer reporting we're merely opining um and and is that no longer music journalism i think it's a question after you've asked that i would never really thought about it in that light how much reporting must i see before i get an opinion because as i'm thinking about this chance thing again i'm like god how important the role of critique is in anyone's life yeah right how how important critique is and mentorship is in the private sector in the public sector and everything it's funny that we call the art world it's the industry and yet don't have the papers however the vulnerability associated with art is so prominent that i think the punch of a critique holds much more weight and so i am left with this conclusion that like critique is good but only if it's true and as soon as you have that true element come into question which we do see all the time with opining rather than reporting then i think it is worthwhile to say listen you didn't even rep- you, if you had seen everything that happened in the studio to make this album me being chance the rapper <laughs> you'd understand that the goal was not to make a perfectly like a you know a, a radio head album with perfect synthesis mm-hmm. and 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 fluid fluidity the, the goal was to make the best song i could with my friends every time and we did that so thank you for your piece had you known that had you asked that question you know that and if and if and if that is now your guiding principle for and the resounding conclusion should be it's a good album it's a great album yeah and anything otherwise you're missing the point so those are good questions you're asking me yeah i definitely will take that with me that's a that's a really profound insight there how much reporting is necessary i don't know the answer to that yeah and it's that's actually interesting too then too because it's like i never even thought about that you just asked the question hey and this is with anything this is like you know if basic journalism too if you're just reporting on something that occurred and you ask okay so what are you trying to accomplish here and if you just ask that to an artist i mean they could answer that and then and then you take away so you take what they said and then you as someone who has consumed and consumed and consumed and has developed you know and read and read and read and reported and reported, reported can then answer that question but it's like yeah i don't know it's also cool too to think about like because you're saying that music journalism, you, you don't read a lot of good stuff. I always say, I always think that too. And I think that a lot of it is because I'm like, what are the questions that I want answered? Or what are the questions that, like, I want to ask them, how did you produce this? Where did you hear production that was like this, that you wanted this to get done? Like, what does this lyric mean? What does that all mean? And I feel like, I don't know why, but it's it sort of seems like we're all a little bit, why are we so afraid to ask those questions? And why don't we, you know, I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, you're exactly right. It's like the in the design world, you talk to experts and they'll say, you know, as much as it's hard to do this, as soon people don't like change. As soon as I release, as soon as you push out a new visual identity, sure, listen what they're saying, but then wait six months and return to the topic. And the point is, like, if you're so egocentric, I don't mean that in terms of ego but just in terms of perspective if you're so egocentric that you expect the album to affect you that quickly and that directly then i think like it's a telling question 
um, it's a you know it's a telling problem and it's an indictment on your perspective where we're just judging these albums and these artists from a brand perspective what did it do to the brand did it fulfill the thing mm-hmm. what did it add? what was its value proposition to him as an artist moving forward should we report on it versus to your point what are the questions we want asked about this right if the if the artist's eye is as profound as i as i'd like it to be if it sees the things that i think we miss elsewhere ask the question what it's seeing and use that as a lens to view the the art you know yeah and that's just not done that's not practiced i would say i agree i think i think we've answered the question that i posed in the grand students <laughs> <laughs> and i think that well, i can't i can't i'm trying to imagine somebody listening to this and be like, well that evan kid is just a loser <laughs> spends Same. too much in his own mind <laughs> I think that's that's fairly true for for both of us. I think I said this to you once too, but a lot of the time I just feel like I want to take my brain out of my head and put it in formaldehyde and like let it sit there for a second. I'm just like I'm sick of you and you need to ferment somewhere else. Um, It sounds like you're meant for the academic world, isn't that what they always say? It's it's like the uh, I think it's a comedian said it's like the a professor is just is just a brain being escorted and carried by a body. It's it's just this portable, it's this portable thing. (laughs) It's true. Okay, well, I've talked your ear off now. Um, But really quick for after that whole conversation, the Ratatouille clip is right at the end of the movie. It's the part after the critic finds out that the chef is a rat. I just want to make that clear for anyone that was like, but wait, I want to know about the Ratatouille clip. Just like... Fast forward to like 15 minutes left of the film and then um, grab a beer and like maybe a tissue and uh, strap yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it's too bad that's not, not on, on Spotify. You can't cue that up real quick and just leave us with some pretty profound cartoon <laughs> philosophy. Uh, what's another? There's so much cartoon philosophy. I think that that's a, a new trend that we should add uh, to... Um, to just, I mean, I was going to say to the Facebook group, but I kind of want that to be everywhere. Just like cartoon philosophy. <laughs> Anyways, this is something that I learned. If, in you're, if, if you're not, if you're not lining up to go see Despicable Me Three, <laughs> I'm not your friend. More than likely, <laughs> the fact that I mean, it's another thing. Like, God, why do I love ant like this? These things so much. They're so childish. And I and I think about it. I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm a 200 pound, six two guy kind of looks a little bit too stoic in public and little do the bypassers know that like oh i'm just thinking about how good despicable me 3 is gonna be i think i think that stuff is so good really i didn't know that i mean i knew that like are you i'm so excited shut up when does it come out do you did you pre-order tickets i think it came out oh it did i don't know no i didn't so i'm like i'm not that i don't fiend that much but Mm. it's like there's no way I'm not seeing it in theaters. <laughs> okay, okay, I understand now. <laughs> I think I saw the first one. I think I did. Also, before we take off the topic of Despicable Me, shout out to our good friend Chris. Howie, you're in Canada right oh, now. Wow. I'm going to send this that's to you. Really, that's a really important shout out given Person. the context. Yeah, he's about. a huge Despicable Me fan. That man lives for minions. And speaking of uh, the, the notion of a love-hate relationship, I've never seen it more embodied than when it comes to Chris Howie discussing minions. 
he both admires them and despises them at the same time. It's the most absurdest thing I've ever seen. I think you guys should take a friendship vacation to Disneyland or Disney World. I can't remember. The one in Florida, though, has a Despicable Me ride. Yeah. yeah that I think um, is just uh, calling your name. Yeah. And Chris's name. Well, I think we're already signed up to go to the... Uh, the Tolkien Festival in England a few years from now, a few years down the line. No we have way. a little book club that we, we've started, yep. I have to hear more about that. <laughs> you, uh, Some other time. I next, still time have, the, I, next time I'm on the pod. So, um, my favorite Pixar film. I was going to ask you yours before we go. Mine first is The Incredibles. And anyone that says it differently is, is wrong. What's your favorite picture then? Well, that's certainly the most quotable. And, mm-hmm. hello, how we met. That's, oh my god, I forgot Wait, about that. Wait, it, was it incredible? Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. It was. So, so I had very famously, uh, I had very famously, very famous. in our in our group and like the organizations on our campus at, uh, at college, wrote, put out an article that I wrote about Chance the Rapper and... Um, no surprise, surprise for anybody who's just made it. <laughs> if you just jumped tomorrow. in, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a huge chance guy. Uh, but he retweeted it and and captioned it like this is a must read or like a really good read. And I had basically argued like sort of the principle of the death of the uh, the author, death of the artist. That you know it matters not what he intended to say; it mattered that he tried to say it right. Like and let us try and anyways. Um, I had a round of applause in my favor because I had done this for the brand I was working with and like that's huge publicity and fun and whatever. And Mimi was sitting right next to me, who I had briefly met in the past. She said, Haven, in a very stoic fashion, Haven, it's a really good job. Good for you. And I said, as they say in The Incredible, I said, it's not a big deal. He He published a lot. And as they say in The Incredibles, when everyone's a superhero, no one is. And then Mimi just, Mimi died that, in that moment. And I think a friendship was forged there because I quoted her favorite Pixar movie. And hell, this is so many full circles. That's some, that's some cartoon philosophy. That. Um, I think right after that too, then we started to quote, where is my super suit? Yeah. Super suit. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Um, to answer your question, uh, I don't know if there's a more emotional beginning to a film than Up. Um, so much so that it's like it's like sort of like emotion porn, you know? Like you just like <laughs> I gotta I gotta get off emotionally right now. I'm gonna pull up I'm gonna pull up the clip of <laughs> of Up where they tell the story of the, the crotchety old man falling in love with a cor- yeah. equally quirky and random woman as a kid and growing up together and to this day i mean i've maddie and i have been literally in a place watching it and emma our our friend has walked in uh what's wrong here oh we just we just pulled up and like my dad will send it to me like god this is just too deep just the five minute clip of the intro so i think if that's like a sufficient answer i'd say that's probably my favorite but in terms of entertainment value, um, I mean, similarly emotional, I'd say Inside, uh, what is it called? Inside Out? Yeah, Inside Out yeah. is a pretty tremendous movie. I still um, seen But, it. I mean, they're all so good. I think I saw once that 18 of the 20 Pixar films have like an 85 or above on Rotten Tomatoes. 
I mean, they just don't miss. They don't. They're the, they're the Jimmy Iovine of movies. <sighs> I actually haven't seen Inside Out, by the way, yet. I still have to see that. And I know that's kind of... Um, yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty important watch. Maybe I'll go do that tonight. Maybe I'll just have a... How did you describe it? An emotional what? Just getting off emotionally? <laughs> it's emotional porn. <laughs> that's what it is. Emotional porn. Just <laughs> pulling up little clips of things to garner a response. Oh, very funny. Oh, man. All right, well, we're coming in on the hour and a half of Give Me a Song That You Want to Hear Before We Go. Oh, sweet. I have one ready for this. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, um, here's the song I want played. Okay. Uh, um, I want the song uh, Why I Love the Moon by Phony People. Oh. Um, spelled P-H-O-N-Y space P-P-L. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get that pulled up, funny people, they are like tremendous artists, New York based, uh, I believe. Um, and I just love the riffs they make. And this one is especially good in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a constant I go to. Um, so yeah, is that, can, can that be readily available? Yep. yep. Let me get that for you. I, I would also say I'm kind of scrolling through and seeing my absolute favorite music that I listen to all the time. Um, I think that this band has some of the best music out there, but kind of like gets glossed over, and it's Tower of Power. Have you ever heard of Tower of Power? No. I mean, I, I'm sure some people are like, wow, what a basic... <laughs> What a basic 70s like jam funk band you just mentioned, Evan. You have no social capital in my mind anymore. But I, I don't think most folks know them. And there's a song called What is Hip that is just the best dance song ever. Is this when you tweeted about you wanted more neo-disco? Is this what you were talking about? No, no. Okay. <laughs> anybody, we have a lot of like neo-soul, neo-funk you know mm-hmm. we have a lot of that stuff and i'm just curious if there's a neo disco scene because that's a scene i want to tap into if a little it's bit. there i want that community to be a part of me <laughs> yeah that's right oh, great all right everyone well thanks for listening tonight this has been mimi zach on private session with my good friend evan mack thanks again ev for being on this was really fun it was a pleasure i hope somebody somewhere got something out of you know you can like track your hits certain with certain technology and i just feel like we're gonna hit the ears of someone in australia who's just gonna be like this is great you hey guys are great <laughs> <laughs> sorry person we just insulted your accent <laughs> you're the one person who listened to us and then we ended it so poorly yeah, well, that's our fault. Anyways, such a pleasure. Such a wonderful person you are. Everyone should continue listening. Thanks, Ev. Thanks. But don't go back and listen to anything before this episode. Smart. Smart. <laughs> All right. Here we go is Why I Love the Moon by Phony People. Why I love the moon Every night it's there for you 
Please don't move. 